Welcome to All Things Military and Veteran Podcast, proudly sponsored by Native Roots. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Adam Gillard, and this podcast is a product of the El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans Group. We are an organization that has nearly 1,400 members and a mission of helping all of our brothers and sisters in arms who have served our country. We do a lot of consulting in regards to the VA bureaucracies. Uh, we can also help veterans in need of other services, such as establishing with uh, food banks or other housing services around. Uh, we can even help people move if they need that. Uh, we're just here to help vets in any way that we can. So this podcast is one of the ways that we're trying to help out. Uh, we're trying to get information out to vets, so you're going to hear me talk a lot, but you're also going to hear from our guests throughout the year, which will include enlisted officers and any behind-the-scenes heroes who serve us veterans. Please send your questions, comments, or suggestions to info at epccpv.org, and that link is in our description. Today, we are very fortunate to have with us Randall Wimmer. He is a successful entrepreneur. He's an author. He is a government contracting industry expert. And most importantly to me, he is a veteran. Randy, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing well. Adam, thank you so much for having me. And I love the work you're doing. I really appreciate that. And for all of our listeners, we're getting to really practice this work today. This is take three for us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's fun. Like how, like every time it, it's like everything, every time you find something new to, to go wrong, you know? So like <laughs> stepping on those landmines. That's uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so Adam's going to tell my story after, yep. after yep. hearing it, you know, he's got to suffer through it for the third time. So <laughs> I think, uh, you know, we should give Adam an attaboy for that. You know, once is enough. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> Yeah, so if if you stop talking and I'm not here, I'm just I, I just dozed off a little. Yeah. Don't worry, just, <laughs> just try to give me a little shake. No, uh, it, it's it's been fun talking with you. Like, like the last couple of days, we we've been talking, and I got my notebook out. And I, I every time we speak, I, I'm writing down more notes. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us your experiences. Uh, so let, let's start. With, you know, kind of where it began for you um, with the Navy. Uh, I guess I can lead you into that a little yeah, bit better well, this time. <laughs> well, it began with the Navy at birth. <laughs> uh, my, my father, he was a retired Navy chief, and um, he retired when I was four years old. But, you know, so I missed the, the whole experience of being a Navy brat. Um, but I did catch the sea stories. And let me tell you something. His, his, <laughs> listening to the sea stories told from the perspective of, of, a, of a Navy chief petty officer, you know, you, you've got you've got. God, you got chief petty officer, and then you have admiral, and then you know the rest of the navy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's that's what and, I grew up listening to. And, you know, yeah, yeah, and he's not far off there. I'm telling you that. <laughs> I, he isn't. Uh, I, I tell you, I uh, my my navy chief um, when I was in service, man, he saved my butt more times than I can count. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, so that's how it all started. I, I I grew up in a navy family, even though I wasn't in the you know wasn't around the navy. In fact. I was in um, a really incredibly poor rural area. My father, after he retired, he brought us back to where he grew up, and it was a great it was a great place to to, to be a kid in one way. In another way, it was it was pretty poor, uh, and I mean that both financially and you know figuratively too, because you didn't see that much opportunity. It was incredibly 
um, economically depressed area. And Mm -hmm. you didn't see people be successful there. You saw people who, you know, who were struggling and um, you didn't see people getting education. You didn't see people uh, pursuing, you know, different types of careers. And the deal is, is you start to believe since you don't see your own community produce these type of people, you start to think that they're not available to you. They're available to the beautiful people. And you start to think that you're not good enough. And I, I, I had to fight that stigma literally my entire life. And, um, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people don't even uh, realize how severe some of the poverty is in the, in the U.S. Yeah, well, you, know. You, you know, the, you know, we, we put on a pretty good facade of you know commercialism and buying a bunch of stuff, but there's a lot of poverty out there. And there's a good song lyric by Cody Jinks that says, "Poor folk go to work or they go to war." Like you don't go to college, you don't, you know, like yeah. you either. Get to the assembly, get to the factory, or join the military. <laughs> you know th- that's your two options. Well, and, and my father took both of those. First, it was the navy, and then it was going back to the factory. There was one factory in our entire county. Um, I'm not going to say the name because I don't know if I'm allowed to or not. But um, anyway, they made cigarette filters. So think mm-hmm. about a factory that makes cigarette filters. How you would imagine that to smell, and that's how it smelled. <laughs> and, uh, but it was it was the largest employer of our, of our county, and my my dad was very fortunate to have a job there because they offered benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, no other employers really did that. So you know, we plus we also had his military retirement. But we were a family. I have I have six sisters, um, so we, we I never knew we were poor. I thought we were middle class or you know well off because. We, you know, we, we always had food on the table, um, and I, I knew people who didn't. Um, so I actually thought we were, we were, um, you know, middle to upper class because, <laughs> and my father never made more than seventeen thousand dollars his entire life, and yet, right. you know, raising you know seven children and a stay-at-home, you know, um, you know, wife to to take care of us, you know, it was, you know, we we were poor, but we just didn't know it. Um, but it comes out in different ways though. It comes out with, you know, seeing opportunities that just aren't available to you or you just perceive that they're not available to you. So I, like I said, that, that good enough theme has, has challenged me my entire life. And in fact, ignorance is bliss. My father, uh, you know, in all his sea stories, I guess he forgot the fact that there's such a thing called ROTC. And he just assumed that most commissioned officers came from the academy. So it couldn't be that difficult to get accepted to, you know, to, <laughs> in the service academies. So I didn't know any better. So I applied to, to the Naval Academy and was very fortunate to be accepted. Had I known that it was a competitive school, I, I never would have applied because I, I would never I would assume I wasn't good enough. So I didn't realize what I had gotten into until I was there. And, you know, there, there's some people there who, who can walk on water. They are like really, really, really incredible. And I, I certainly wasn't <laughs> one of those. <laughs> but then there was also people like me. And I also realized that there was, you know, that they all put their pants on the same way. So that was my first yeah. step into thinking like, hey, maybe I am good enough to do this. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because like one of my uh, things I always think, you, you've probably heard that advice, you know, like you don't, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. You always want to be learning. And I walk into any room and go, Check. Yeah, check. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, yeah, I did, but that is so true, though. Uh, yeah. People, and you know what, though, that is a sign of confidence um, because if you don't have to pretend like you're the smartest person there, you can learn a lot of stuff. 
You know, that is absolutely because yeah. Um, yeah, that's an indicator of, of just being confident. So, but that's how it started. So I, I went to the Naval Academy, uh, served 10 years on active duty. My wife and I, we started having kids. And let me tell you, it's tough enough to kiss the wife uh, goodbye and step on a ship and be gone six to nine months. I, you know, I didn't have it in me. I, I wasn't strong enough to do it, you know, with the, with, with children as well. So, um, and God bless the, the veterans who are able to do that because, you know, we, we need them. You know, uh, you know, keeping our, our nation safe and doing, you know, doing the mission. Yeah. I just want it's, it's definitely it's a it's a young man's game. That once you start having kids, the the game changes for you. The game changes, um, and I was at that pivotal point in my career. I was halfway. I was at the ten year mm-hmm. mark where you either stay in or you don't. And um, yep. I made the decision to get out. And we we settled in Northern Virginia because that's my wife's a Navy brat, and that's where her father retired from. You know the 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 Pentagon. So. Um, she wanted to, to come here too. So now here I am, I'm ridiculously house poor <laughs> looking for a job <laughs> because it's so expensive in Northern Virginia. So, um, mm-hmm. I get a billable position. And then a couple of years later, you know, we, we have a, a family event or two where now all of a sudden I, I am required to make money, you know, I, yeah. you know, wealth, you know, not because I want to, or because I want all the luxuries that come with it, because I, I feel like I need to, in order to be able to, to meet my, you know, my, my family obligations. So I, I take a very analytic approach on, on how I'm going to, quote unquote, accumulate wealth. And I never considered um, entrepreneurship, but that's what my analysis showed me. It's like, hey, you know, you there are I had more advantages to launch a federal government contracting company than any other demographic. And I didn't know that. And, the, you know, and I have a chip on my shoulder because when I transitioned, I didn't transition as a retiree. I transitioned. Um, as somebody who could have re-upped. And yeah. so I got the I got the sales pitch for the transition. Like, oh, it's really scary out there. I don't know if you mm-hmm. can do it. You know, it's like it's it's safe here. We'll tell you where to go. And, you know, and the amount of money that you're making through all of these allowances is like the equivalent of you becoming a millionaire there. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like you did the math for you, buddy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so you were over in the corner thinking about that. And I was there, I was right there signing. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Great. I <laughs> so uh but yeah, I and and that's that's another chip that I have um on my shoulder and um because I was never told that. And mm-hmm. you know, Veterans, um, they are the most uh, heavily represented demographic in the world of entrepreneurship. And it's because of all the different things that we learn as a veteran. Uh, Plus, it's the type of person. you got to be an adventurous person to raise your hand, put on a uniform and go wherever you're told and do things that that you'd never expect you'd be able to do. You got to be pretty adventurous, and and I think that's that's a little bit of uh, becoming an entrepreneur. You got to be adventurous. You got to be willing to 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 crest that ridge, not knowing it's on the other side, and still do it. That's mm-hmm. you know that's that's um, that's a necessity for a veteran, um, and also for a uh, for an entrepreneur. So I um, I did that. Um, I launched my first company in 2003 called Analytic Strategies, and um, it failed miserably because I didn't know what the <laughs> hell I was doing. And then I thought, like, well, okay, I better go back to school. And then I started looking around. There's not a single MBA program that specializes in the world's biggest customer, the federal government. Not a single one. You know, this this customer has trillion-dollar annual budgets, and yet mm-hmm. there's not a single MBA program. There's MBA programs for hospitality, uh, entertainment, sports entertainment, uh, the medical community, the IT community, finance, 
automotive, you name it. There's an MBA that specializes in it with the, with the exception of the world's largest customer, the federal government. So the way I had to learn was the school of hard knocks. I had to, to find jobs where I could learn what I needed to learn in order to launch a company. Now, everybody always asks me, so, you know, well, Randy, okay, what was your second company that you launched? Well, it was analytic strategies also. I had to relaunch. <laughs> and then, you know, I got that up running a little bit in 2006. And um, I, I had it going for about two and a half, three years until my contract ended. And I didn't know, you know, during that two and a half years, I didn't know how to to scale and grow and start pursuing mm-hmm. prime contracts. So, And what did you provide during that time? Like, what, what, what was this company? Uh, Analytic Strategies, it was basically services. You know, um, I... I, when I first got out of the, the military, I did a lot of war gaming stuff. I did a lot of studies and, you know, those, that mm-hmm. type of a- analysis. And it's just generic, you know, analysis type of work. Um, I would have done anything. I'd have taken the trash out. And <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I totally would have done <laughs> yeah. anything. And it just so happened to be in an area that um, I had a little bit of knowledge, but it didn't matter. I would, I, like I said, I'd have done anything. And then, you know, um, 2010 rolls around and I have all these hard learned lessons from my two previous uh, launches. And I, um, I re relaunched and look strategies <laughs> and, you know, every, every single thing that I, I touched turned to gold because I, I took a very structured approach that third time. And um, so everybody asked me, he said, you know, Randy, you know, like, you know, <laughs> why don't you just, you just launch another company? Why'd you relaunch it? And there's a story behind that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I'm not gonna choke up selling it. Um, in 2003, um, I'm I'm trying to launch you know Analytics Strategies. I don't know how I'm doing it. My my wife, she gets me a binder, you know, not not a binder, but a, like a book, a, you know, blank journal. And um, she she had the kids, you know, put their little handprints. So I've got the handprints of of two two infants, you know, an infant and a toddler. And they say, you know, yeah, dad, we know you can do it and like strategies. And um, at that point, so it's got to succeed. <laughs> yeah, I know at that point. And at that point, I, I really, truly realized that your dreams have consequences when you don't accomplish them, you know, because yeah. those little handprints would have suffered. Not, you know, not suffer, yeah. but yeah. not have yeah. not have had the opportunities that they they would have had I succeeded. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I was under contract. I couldn't let my kids down. And uh, so that's why I um, I relaunched Analytics Strategies, and, you know, not once but twice after I failed the first yeah. time. And the deal is, is people say like, well, Randy, what was, you know, what, what was that underlying thing? Well, I invested emotional equity in the launch of that company. And I, most people don't try things because they think that if they fail, they're going to feel really bad and mm-hmm. they don't do it. I didn't have that luxury. So I, like, like I said, I invested emotional equity into launching that company. And ultimately it was that simple and that hard because nothing is harder in this world than, than putting so much of yourself into something that if you don't get it, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt really bad. And you're going to question, you know, who you are and, and, and what you stand for and those type of things. So, yeah. you know, the success. It's almost like, it's almost like you forced an intrinsic value into it. Like, you know, but by, like you said, putting that emotional equity into it, you, you just kind of force an intrinsic, like drive to, to succeed. It's oh, yeah. an interesting, well, interesting mindset that you took there. Well, the deal is, is, you know, laying all joking aside, I, I, I burned the ships, you know, at the beach, you know, it, it was, 
I, I wasn't stupid about it because, you know, diapers are expensive and I had to have, <laughs> I, I had to have income coming in um, right. you know, to take care of my family. So I couldn't be stupid about it. But the deal is, is I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to quit until I succeeded. And, you know, here it is the third time. Now, the deal is, is the reason why I took three attempts is because, again, there's no training programs out there. There's no MBA programs right. out there. The only way you learn this industry is basically by doing it and by, mm-hmm. by word of mouth. Now, there are training companies out there, but they're all geared towards those multi-billion dollar companies. And right. they have the big budgets and they're, you know, they're willing to spend it because they're pursuing billion dollar opportunities. Yeah. You know, dropping 20, you know, $20 million dollars. You know, or $30 million or $40 million to win a billion dollar effort is nothing. You know, that's the mm-hmm. expectation, you know, at that level. But obviously, you can't do that as a small business and you can't afford that level of training and support. So you got to learn it the hard way. And that's what I did. I job hopped, you know, I took jobs where I could learn how to do it. And then once I learned how to do it, you know, that particular aspect of the job of, of running or launching a company, I changed jobs. I was changing mm-hmm. jobs there for a while, about every 11, 12 months. Just yeah. learned what I needed to learn. And again, I burned my bridges. Had, had I not had uh, success as an entrepreneur, man, my, my resume was decimated. <laughs> it, looked <like laughs> I was, it, it, it looked chaotic. You know, I, I, I looked like I was schizophrenic or, or something. I had multiple yeah. personalities. I, I don't know. It was just like, it did, not, it did not look good. So it's just literally, literally what mine looks like right now. Like I, I left the military. I went to contracting. Then I saw a shiny butterfly and I went to go to be a teacher for a couple months and saw another shiny butterfly and went to do woodworking. And yeah, so like, yeah, it, it's weird how you have to bounce around to kind of find your groove. Find your groove. Yep. And I, I will say this too. Like I said, I never considered um, entrepreneurship. You know, you see all these people, mm-hmm. you know, successful. And I either thought that I, I either A, wasn't good enough or B, that um, entrepreneurship is just being a cheesy, you know, brown nosing salesman. And I, you know, that's the last thing I wanted to be. So, right. uh, but it ends up that the federal government contracting industry is not like that at all. It isn't, you know, you, you do your sales pitch, you know, through a proposal and you don't have mm-hmm. to be the great American novelist to do that because proposals are scored. They're not read. And of course they're red, but they're not red. Right. Like you're, you know, your 11th grade English teachers mm-hmm. read them and, you know, it, it has nothing to do with that. They, they read them like a word search puzzle. Like, okay, we have a yeah. requirement. What do they address that? Oh yeah. Oh, Hey, they really address that. Well, do they have any yeah. points to show that they can real? Oh yeah. There's a brute point. Okay. Checking the walk, you know, and, and that's, that's how they do that. So, yeah. you know, what, it, it makes sense. Cause like the military resumes are always like five pages long too, where you you just try to inundate with as much information and the buzzword bingo stuff that you can put in there to just to get through the sifting to get to the hiring managers. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, it's so it's it's not as hard as what people think it is. It's just different. Yeah. But because of that little bit of difference. So I'm what I'm about to say is going to knock your socks off. 95% of us companies choose not to pursue the world's largest customer. 95% 95% of U.S. companies. And the reason why is because that little bit of difference keeps them from doing it. Either they, either their sales cycle won't support it, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, or they're not willing or they don't know how to learn it. Because again, there's, there's no structured training programs out there to, yeah. to help somebody come in from, you know, from, from nothing. So, um, well, yeah. And the financial piece with the military, you know, when our con, when our money and our budgets are held up by Congress and things like that. Absolutely. And, you know, so some of those big companies like on October 1st, they're, they're waiting for a paycheck and you're like, Oh, you're gonna have to wait a couple of weeks. I need to 
Congress needs to do some things to give me some money. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like, so a lot of them can't deal with, you know, the, the, the yeah. cycle of the federal government. But again, I would say the overwhelming majority of them is because they don't know how to learn that, that process. Yeah. And it's not hard. It's just a little difference. And that yeah. little difference eliminates 95% of your natural competitors. If you learn. So, yeah. So what do you think the vet's biggest advantage is? Um, well, first of all, we, we understand the culture. We, you know, we, we understand mm-hmm. the mission and we understand the culture. The federal government, um, I would say over half the, the budget is national security related. You got Department of Defense budgets. You've got the intelligence community budgets. You've got the State Department. You got the Department of Energy. Plus, you got the VA. If you start combining all those areas where we have some knowledge, you know, as, as veterans, now not all veterans are going to have knowledge in all of those different areas, but for the most part, you know, they're, you know, we, we, we've, we've at least got some idea of what's going on in mm-hmm. those. Uh, so we understand the mission. We understand the culture. And when I say culture, people don't understand. If, you, if you're a Harvard MBA and you're saying, ah, what should I do? Should I launch a, an IT company or should I launch a federal government contracting company? They don't know. The, the things that come so obviously to, to us, flag officer walks into the room, what do you do? You stand up. Stand up. They, yeah, they don't know that. And yep. It's true to us. It's like, how could you not know right. that? Well, because yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that they just don't get. And now mm-hmm. uh, to them, it just looks like acronym soup. And, um, you know, um, so that's one of the advantages. You know, we understand the mission. We understand the culture. And then the other, the training. Oh, my gosh. We have the world's best training, you know, for what it is that we're, you know, we're doing. Because in many regards, we've worked with contractors. We understand yeah. that, how that relationship is supposed to work. Right. And then finally, our Rolodex. The people who are in uniform today, the people who have gotten out earlier, the people who are transitioned to government service, all those people are ideal you know, um, networking connections, same way with the people who, who, who are, you know, who supported the mission, they understand they've got that technical knowledge, the know-how, you know, we've got the best Rolodex. We've got the best network mm-hmm. in the world for yeah. this industry. And, and I, I haven't even said a single word about the intangibles, you know, that, that <laughs> and that is, you know, the, the courage, the, the crest that ridge, not knowing what's on the other side, um, you know, I'm talking about the, you know, the courage, the work ethic, you know, all these different things that, that, that veterans, you know, tend to have, um, other people have them too. You know, it's not, it's not exclusive to veterans, but veterans, you know, for the most part, you, you don't make it through a stint in the military without having developed some of that. And yeah. uh, so it's, it's almost like a guarantee that you're going to have that as a veteran. And those are the, the essential ingredients, uh, to be successful. Yeah. So, you know, when a veteran's starting out to look to be an entrepreneur, should they be looking at like small business administration loans, things like that? Like, what are some options that they have to <clears throat> to do this? Well, I tell people it's best to bootstrap, and and I tell people that um, the especially if you're going to do federal government contracting, the way you do it is you keep your day job, and you have that source of income coming in because um, entrepreneurship is a slow game. You know, everybody thinks like, no, I, I I launched my company. We don't have any money coming in. I'm living off invest, investor dollars. And wow, we got to hurry, 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 hurry. We got to get this product to market or service to market. We got to make a buck. Now, those type of situations, somebody else is controlling your success. It's not you. It's your investors. Investors immediately want to return on their investment. If you don't need investors or if you're self-investing, then 
you know, you don't know when success is going to find you during that marathon. It may find you at mile number two. It may find you at mile number five or 17 or 19 or 23 or, or maybe at the finish line at 26.2 miles. You know, you don't know when success is going to find you um, in the entrepreneurial world. And if you, if you start taking investor dollars or if you start um, doing this without having a secondary income coming in, then what you're doing is you're sprinting. Mm-hmm. You have to have success now. I've got six right. months worth of money to support my family. I got six months for success. Well, you're going to make it to about, you know, mile number five. So if success doesn't find you in the first five miles of that marathon, you know, you you just lost all that money. You're not going right. to have success. It's going to be a, a horrific experience for you and your family. Yeah. But yeah, hard to hard to rebound from. Absolutely. But if you keep your day job, you've got your normal source of income coming in. And you're learning, you're learning how to do it. Um, and then what you're able to do is you're just burning the midnight oil. Basically, you're funding yourself with 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 uh, with sweat equity. You're, you're putting the work into it. And that's what I did. I my my first I won my very first prime contract and it was worth 15 million dollars. And the cost for me to actually bid on that contract was a hundred dollar business license. I had to, you know, this that was the, the fee in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, I bought a little bit better printer than what I had. There's two hundred bucks, uh, three hundred bucks maybe. I got a website, you know, and but I got a free template, downloaded it, and I created it myself. But I had to pay hosting fees. It came with an email mm-hmm. address, and then I had to buy, you know, binders. They wanted to, you know, they wanted seven copies of of my pricing and and non-pricing proposal. So there's, you know, 14, 15, 16, you know, uh, binders that I had to do. That's on it and business cards. And that was the total cost of my, uh, my bid, my bid. And I made 50, you know, it's for $15 million. I managed that thing because it was my, my first prime contract and I was a one person company, but you better believe I was, lean on that. So I was, I, I was making about, you know, 35, 40% profit off of it. So, you know, I made I made you know four or five million bucks off of my first wow. you know, prime contract alone, and that's what yeah, I tell people. Amazing. It's a little bit different than your typical gig. You know, people always like say, "Hey, you know, I got a side hustle going on, and they're doing it for supplemental cash." This is not the supplemental cash side hustle. This is the lottery ticket. You know, this is the generational wealth that's side generational hustle. <laughs> wealth thing, yeah, and. Um, now you, you can, you know, the, the way you do it is you transition it into a day job, you know, initially, mm-hmm. cause you, you know, that's how, you know, 99.9% of small businesses start out. They start out as, you know, as subcontractors. And, um, you know, once you get that first pass performance underneath your belt, then, uh, then it's up to you. You control your own destiny. And yeah. then you start bidding, you start teaming with the people because you only had, and, and the the other question that I always get is like, Randy, well, how did you know how to do all this stuff? You know, like, you know, you won your very first prime contract in the logistics industry and you never served a single day in the logistics. Industry. Yeah. Like, where did you find that opportunity? Well, well you, you, you find them on websites. You know, the government releases these things. You know, they're, they they release these requests for proposals that they do it on, you know, websites that everybody has free access to. Hmm. Uh, the big one is Sam.gov. But um, so anyway, um, that. So everybody says, well, Randy, well, how did you know how to actually do the work? And I'm thinking like, I didn't, you know, 95% of all the contracts out there, they're continuations. It's just like, you know, like, Hey, if you're going to win an IT contract at the Pentagon, 
what, what, what do you think? The, the Pentagon just, you know, invented computers, you know, you know, yeah. six months ago. No, right. you know, they, they, there's somebody there waiting. Yeah. They, you know, somebody else had that contract before you did. And somebody had that you know, contract before they did. So the mm-hmm. contracts are typically three to five years in length. And every three to five years, they have to come up for recompete. And, um, you know, because they don't last for everything, you know, forever, they're right. three to five year contracts. So when you win a contract, there's a 90 to 95% chance that there's a company who had it previously and it's fully staffed, you know, with their employees. Now here's the deal. They can't, they can't keep these people employed because they no longer have a billable position for them because they lost the contract Well, these billable people, you know, who were formerly, you know, who were formerly employed by the incumbent contractor, you know, how they want to keep their day job. They, they want to keep their job. So what do they do? They come to you and say like, Hey, you know, um, we hire us, and you're you're saying like, hell yeah, I'll hire you. Yeah, you can yeah. do it. <laughs> so basically, what you do is you you win the contract and you rehire the losing company's people, and now you're skimming off the top. And yeah. uh, honestly, I I wish I could make it sound you know more complicated than that, but that's in its that's core. It. That's what it is. Yeah, and and I saw that transition a few times with a few different contracts that, oh, that yeah. I uh, helped out with when I was in the military, where you know one day they'd be working for Company X, next day they're com- working Company it Y. Is literally that simple. You know, yeah. Um, I've my very first contract that I had um, in the military, it was support second one, uh, second contract actually. I was a billable person, and the the contract or its predecessor had been going on for like 25 years. And there had been people who had been on that contract, same contract for 25 years. Now they had about <laughs> six different employees, employers <laughs> during that, during that time. But, um, yeah, but you know, they didn't change, you yeah. know, their employer right, yeah. did, but they never changed. And yeah. And keeping that continuity and that, uh, enterprise knowledge right there, like that continuity is huge for, for those missions. And see, that's the other thing too. A lot of people shy away from government contracting. They say, well, you know, I want job stability. I don't want to, you know, I don't want a job that's only going to last for three to five years. Well, like, mm, yeah, that's how long your contract is, but that's not really how it works. You know, yeah. It really works. Yeah. You know, that you're just going to be have a different well, I mean, if, you, if you suck, you'll, yeah. you'll be kicked out at three years. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, but even if, you know, even if your company loses, um, mm-hmm. you know, usually they over, over, over a five year span, if you have any bad Apple employees, the government and the employers want to weed them out. That's just yeah. reality. So they, you know, rarely does a company lose because they had, you know, poor, poor employees supporting it. Yeah. It's usually they got greedy and they overpriced it or their leadership, um, you know, didn't, just not responsive to the customer's mm-hmm. needs, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it's rarely, rarely, rarely um, down to the employees. And in fact, yeah. I'll say this, the best company doesn't win. The best company does not win the contract. Mm-hmm. It is the highest yep. score proposal. And that should be encouraging to you because I was winning stuff left and right that I had no business winning because I was, <laughs> I had never done it as a company before. I'd never done it as mm-hmm. a person before. Um, and yet I was winning these things because I learned how to write, you know, a, a winning proposal. And that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's like I said, and, and I can't tell you how many times I'd show up to show up at the, the kickoff meeting and the government was honest with me and they say, well, you weren't really our first choice, but you scored the highest. And I said, yep, that's the game we're yep. playing here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean? <laughs> you know the, the best yeah. company in your opinion doesn't win. You created a scorecard. And when you did that, you don't have any say about it. It's all about that yeah. scorecard. And if you know how to maximize that scorecard, 
your score on that scorecard, you're going to let a lot of work. You're going to become stupid wealthy. And yeah. that's what happened with me. I, I learned how to do that. And my first company you know, won just under $400 million in prime contracts because I knew how to write a winning proposal. Wild. And so now you want to you know take your knowledge and spread it out to other vets. Yep. Uh, your website, governmentcontractingacademy.com, uh, how long are these courses? Like, like, describe these courses to me. Are they like distance learning? Are they oh, yeah. you have so, people in person? Like, what's going on with these courses? Well, this is what I do. I, I offer um I offer a twelve year uh, excuse me a twelve month program and twelve year yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and, and the reason why I say that is is because if if you think you can learn how to do this industry, you know if you can learn an entire industry and learn how to run a company, you know in less time than twelve months. You're, you're smoking crack. <laughs> you're really hard. It's like, that's tough. That is a tough order. Now, the deal is, is it's a 12-month program, but you can do it in a lot less time. And okay. you can get your fishing line in the water really quickly. Um, you can get your fishing line in the, in the water looking for subcontracts, you know, literally within a month. And then what you do is while you're waiting to catch that fish, you're learning how to execute the contract. And you're learning how to win future ones as a prime contractor. So um, so when I say it's a 12-month program and you really need the 12 months, you really need the 12, you know, you really need it in order to figure out what you're doing. However, within a month, if you have a, I call it quick start, um, if you're executing quick start, you know, within a month, you could be, you know, really, really, really aggressively searching for subcontracts. And, you know, if you, and if luck finds you pretty damn quickly, you'll know enough to be able to execute the subcontract um, while you continue to learn how to pursue prime contracts because prime contracts is where the money is. That's where okay. the real wealth is because on yeah. the subcontract, what's happening is, is, um, you know, Northup Grumman, they don't need you. They're just required because of the small, small business set aside program to use you, you know, on these really big contracts, these big bidders, they've got to earmark 29% of the value of that contract to small businesses. Service disabled veterans, they get a guaranteed 3% on those contracts, guaranteed. And so you say, well, you know, it's 3% is nothing. Well, 3% on a billion dollar contract is 30 million bucks. You know, that, thing, that. you know, I, 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 you know, I don't know what's in your wallet, but hell, that would be yeah, right, yeah. my wallet I'm, pretty damn nice. I'm just shy of that right now. So yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, so so they're required to do that. And um, now the deal is, is, they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get your rates as low as possible because yeah. they have their rate, you know, to the government and anything between their rate and your rate is pure profit for them. So that's, that's right. the game that they're playing. And, yeah. but when you're the prime, you're playing that, you're playing that game too. <laughs> so really interesting, man. Man, yeah, now, I, uh, I don't, want you, don't want to wrap this up yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it's all internet based. It's uh, yeah. self paced. And I give you a ton of content with it. And um, you're like, you know, I, I'm giving you sample proposal sections. I'm giving you, you know, um, all kinds of business development tools. I'm giving you processes on how to run your company. I'm giving you employee, you know, handbooks, you know, all those different things. Because like I said, I didn't get any of that help, um, yeah. you know, when I was doing it. And it took me years, it took me about eight years before I could actually start bidding and winning prime contracts. And I feel pretty confident that I can compress that learning curve from eight years, which is what it took me to step on these line uh, landmines and learn from it to about eight months. So, 
Um, you know, eight years, eight months. But again, it's the best industry going. What industry in the world can you launch with 500 bucks? 500 bucks. Yeah. That, yeah. That for, for that type of return on investment, that's. Yeah. It's. Uh, and the one where you have the best, you know, you, you have uh, a greater advantage than any other demographic out there. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and like you say, like uh, on your, I think it's on your website, uh, if not us, then who? Yeah. If not, if not veterans and who, you know, so. Yeah. Um, and I also have a book that's coming out. It's called good enough to launch your company where what I do is I walk you through the process that I ultimately use for my first company as well. As my sub- subsequent mm-hmm. companies, and um, I had success with them because I followed a process. You, know, you don't want a business plan. A business plan is a document you're going to download from the Internet. You're going to populate it and it's going to sit on your shelf. It becomes shelfware. Yeah. It's going to collect dust. You want a process that's iterative where once you learn something, you get to use what you learned to read mm-hmm. something again. And, you know, it's because of that iteration, it, you know, you're getting into a, a better place, you know, to, to launch your company. And, um, so I, what I do is I, I kind of teach that process of how, how to, how to launch a company using real examples, you know, yeah. using, using, you know, real companies, using a real industry. Because one of the biggest frustrations that I had is I would go to a bookstore and there's three flavors of books. You, you've got your traditional CEO, your traditional CEO. Um, you know, they're the ones that, they're cornering markets. They're, they're doing weird stuff that is not applicable to you. Uh, then you got your celebrity CEOs. They're like, you know, Elon Musk. Well, not too many people's going to launch, you know, SpaceX, right. <laughs> something that's going to, you know, do, that, that's, yeah. it's like, it's, you know, and then, you know, then you, you also have your gurus out there and they're going to tell you about all you got to do is just find your why. And like me finding my why isn't going to help me how to manage cash flow. It's like, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's all theoretical. It's all filled yeah. with platitudes. And, you know, it's it's like 100% useless. I wanted to see real examples. I wanted to see, no kidding, tell me what kind of benefits, you know, I should be getting my employees. Right. Because everybody says, you know, your employees are your most important resource. Okay, I got that. You know, that's a cliche, you know, but tell me how to take care of them. Tell me what they yeah. re- what really matters, you know, with mm-hmm. them. And, um, and how to do that without, you know, losing, without losing sight that I'm a for-profit, you know, company trying to make a buck, you know? Yeah. So, right. you know, and, and so that's what I do with this book. And I highlight the federal government contracting industry as that case study. So uh, when does this come out? It's going to be coming out probably within the next month at, um, at okay. Amazon. And if you're interested, what you can do is you can, um, uh, and here's the good thing too, the Kindle version, um, I'm doing an introductory promo because like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, this is this is what I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy to be government contracting academy where I'm helping aspiring entrepreneurs yeah. and veterans, you know, achieve their dreams. And this is just a piece of that. You know, this the good enough to launch a company. That's part of that whole, you know, government contracting academy, you know, uh, legacy. Yeah. But that's what I'm hoping to do. So um, I'm not trying to make a buck off this thing. Uh, so the, the the Kindle version is going to have an introductory price of a dollar ninety nine. You know, cool. so and it could be a life changing book for you. It really could be. Yeah. So um, if you're interested, you know, my, my email, I'll give you my personal email. It's randy.wimmer at gmail.com. If you want that link for when it comes out, um, it can't stay that way. And, you know, there's I'm going through Amazon and apparently there's yeah. there's issues about, you know, underpricing things. And so but um, what I can do, though, is I can get you get people the link. So as soon as it comes out at that introductory lot, you know, price of a buck ninety nine, you could be reading something that 
you know, hell, I would have given anything for this book back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you mentioned before too, we, uh, when I was separating entrepreneurship, wasn't really, there's a specific class that you have to go to for. It's not part of the normal, Mm -hmm. the normal tap process. So, um, yeah, what you're doing, it's it's awesome. Uh, I love that you're trying to give back to a, to the community and not just veterans either. You're like, this is for everybody. You're trying to help just veterans happen to have. Yeah. Most of the folks that I I support are are veterans. I would say 55, 60% are, are, that's cool well randy thanks for uh doing this i'm gonna do a quick uh thing for my sponsor real quick and then i'll come back to you uh all things military and veteran is proudly sponsored by native roots cannabis company colorado's leading locally grown and owned dispensary chain native roots has been our largest donor since we were founded four years ago and we thank them for their support They have 20 locations in Colorado, and Native Roots is ready to educate and serve adult use, medicinal, and recreational patients alike. Randy, thank you again. Uh, Your website, uh, governmentcontracting.com. Just flipping through it earlier, had a ton of information. Um, Yeah, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I I tell you. If you're uh, if you're on LinkedIn, you'd like to connect. It's Randall R A N D A L, just one L Wimmer. And um, man, I'd love to, to connect with with veterans. There's a there's a lot of opportunities for veterans out there. Um, how we could have spent an entire you know podcast just on transition, um, right. transitioning to, to, to careers. So if you have any questions, feel free to to, to shoot me a message, shoot me an email because um, you know there's I I got help from people you know who went ahead of me, and that's that's what we do in this this community. We, we we pay it forward. So. Yep. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, I look forward to getting to getting to talk to you some more. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the All Things Military and Veteran podcast. We can be found on over a dozen podcast apps, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. We hope you find our programs rewarding and informative. Please feel free to contact us at info at epccpv.org. Thank you for listening and hope you found today's podcast informative. Stay safe.